welcome to Notorious P.O.D. episode 42. I'm your host, Big John Bass. It's another Hip Hop Forum episode, which means I'm joined by the man they call Cal Kaida. How are you, Cal? Oh, bo, bo, bo. Yeah, all good, man. All good. For the football fans out there, you got a, um, a lookalike from one of my mates. Did you look like Dendonka? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what? When, you, when you brought a picture that made it even funnier I had no idea what it looks like same he just told me and I was like then Donka I'm just going to put ha ha because it just sounds funny I googled it and I was like eh, yeah I can kind of see it it's not bad actually not bad uh, and the other voice you can hear is of course the loneliest filth up in this bitch hello 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 how are you mate you're drinking some sort of um, hipster craft beer there I reckon yeah it's um, it's brew dog double punk I mean we don't get paid for advertising on here but um it is, it's 8.2%. So, yeah, wow. it could be a fun podcast. Rocket fuel. I, I've gone for the white wines, pretty unhip hop. But, um, you know, I was thinking maybe we should just get like a brown bag and then just put the bottle in the bag. Then it would be a little bit more, you know, hip hop. More, more merchandise. We're going to get like a brown bag of the Notorious POD logo on it. Oh, no, oh shit. Yes. 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 You guys behind the, fourth, behind the fourth wall. Yeah, the thing is. The thing is, we were looking at um, merch today, and I sent the boys uh, <laughs> some of the images, some of the stuff we can get. We can get tote bags. So talking of like hipster apparel, I feel like tote, tote bags is about as far away from hip hop merch as you can get. Um, but I'm into it. Why not? We should just tap into a, a new market. You know, yeah, mid- middle class hip hop fans. Why not? It's what we're all about. Um, well, boys, we are obviously in another hip hop forum, which means we've got plenty to talk about. Uh, just before we get into it. Um, if you want to submit your music or you want to ask us questions or you want to catch up on some of the articles by um, lovely Mr. James Holder or just generally see what we're doing, you can check out on our website uh, www.notoriouspod.com. Um, you can submit your music through there. You can just reach out to us, basically. So do that. Uh, and also leave us a review um, wherever you listen to the podcasts. Um, what we'd like in exchange for a five-star review, is for you to tell us your five favourite rappers of all time. Your personal favourites. We're not asking for, like, who are the top five. We want to know your favourite five, and then we'll read them out. So we hashtag five for five, and we'll read them out on the pod, and um, we will interrogate your choices, obviously. Um, right, it's time to get into the street report. Um, there's, there's a few little things floating around on Twitter generally, and just in social media generally, where you read it and you take it and you go, fucking hell, that's mental. And then you think about it and you go, well, no one's verified that. That sounds mad. And what I'm about to say falls into that category. Um, there was a, an interview in the last couple of weeks with uh, Shy the Prince, and he mentioned in this interview that when Kanye was learning how to basically make beats and how to produce... He went through every single hip-hop album released between 1991 to 1999 and redid every single beat to improve his skills. Now, I saw that and I went, oh, wow, that's, that's yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and then I read it again and I was like, well, how, that is the biggest load of bullshit I have <laughs> ever heard in my life. Um, I guess, Cal, this is one of those situations where someone said something with a bit of hyperbole to get a bit of impact um, and if you take it literally, it sounds mental. Um, but what what did you think about this when you saw this in the running order? Like this is this can't be real, right? Yeah, it's just one of those kind of like urban legends, isn't it? Where it's like he told, like you said, where he he's told someone he did something like that, 
and it's kind of grown into this urban legend where he bought because back then you couldn't like go on a dodgy site and like downloaded all the albums like you had to buy them all like you had to go and buy all the cds and as a struggling producer i can't imagine he had that much money um unless he was like the only rapper in the history of rap that was a massive drug dealer but never rapped about it <laughs> so like yeah. he was like a kingpin he was like fucking heisenberg of fucking coke but just never wrapped a word about it. So perhaps he was loaded and bought all the beats. There's obviously the the mention in the the end of the college college dropout album where he says that when he made um, when he made oh. the beat for Beanie Siegel and he says yeah. I was I was playing um, Dre 2001 at that time um, mm-hmm. and that was in 1999. So those two kind of correlate, don't they? Uh, that came out in 99. So the, that correlates with the story, but that's just one album, not every single album ever. That's crazy. Yeah, T, what do you reckon, mate? It sound, sounds like bullshit. It's one of those ones you read and think, oh, okay. You'd have replied, like, oh, God, yeah. I think you've, I think you've dropped one there, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, I, want, I mean, there's been a, I think there was a, there was a murder attempt on Sci Hide Prince every day, funny enough. Oh, wow. So, boy, maybe, maybe he's in another place when he said all that. But no, it's highly unlikely. Um, as Cal says, there's no means to download music as it was now. So it's unlikely. But, Someone like Kanye as a student is a bit of a music. So, I mean, maybe it's not literally all, but I reckon all the records that matter, they probably redid them. So it's probably like um, a Kanye West version of um, Stakes is High and Southern Playlist at Cadillac Music somewhere out there with Kanye sped up soul samples on it. So you never know. Maybe maybe it's keeping it under vaults like the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, I, I think I think it's like all these things. I think um, you boys make really good points about this being almost like a an urban legend that spirals and each time the story gets told, you know, like a little detail gets added and makes it a little bit bigger. And, and there's definitely some truth in this. I mean, I think you're right T. I think like he's definitely a student of the game, obviously someone that's sampling records to that level is listening, is consuming a lot of music to be able to hear those samples. And so I think um, he probably was in a stage where he was listening to like some of the, maybe the classics, like the definitive albums of that time, and was like, right, I'm going to remake this beat from that album, and then I'm going to make that beat from that album. And you know, th- there are some some tracks on those albums. I mean, we've spoken before about um, Mob Deep, and some of the samples from that album have only just like been discovered, like have basically been kind of like uh, released as public knowledge, like in the last five years. People couldn't figure out where these samples came from, so he he wasn't remaking those, was he? So yeah, I think this is a classic case of someone's said something, it's gone round the houses, it's come back uh, absolutely uh, much bigger than it was supposed to be. But nonetheless, I think this does demonstrate that early Kanye really was a student of the game and was really interested in how this stuff is made. And actually, if you listen to you know, his, his early stuff, I think we all think about it as like a bit of a landmark moment in hip hop. But really, he wasn't doing anything that hadn't been done before. He'd just taken a lot of influences, like most hip hop from other things and repackaged it in a way that was fresh and original and so yeah it doesn't surprise me that he would have gone through all those beats and, and crafted uh, his, his skill set in that way for sure cool all right well let's um let's get into our next section this is uh this is where we get into a a bit of a reference for something back in the day back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i sit and wish i was a kid again back in the days when i was young i'm not a kid anymore but some days i sit and wish i was a kid again. so we had a question from i think it's mark ead i'm gonna go for could be mark eddie i guess on twitter he asked us 
Have you seen or will you be watching the new Biggie documentary on Netflix? No mention of Pac until 15 minutes before the end, but guess that was to be expected. (laughs) So, obviously, probably the the biggest biggest story, biggest kind of conversation at the moment around uh, around hip hop is the new Biggie doc on Netflix. Uh, I got a story to tell. Our very own James Holder did a brilliant article about this. If you haven't read it, check it out on the website. Um, it's well worth a read. Um, and go and have a look at some of his other articles as well, just about some of the, uh, the other topics in hip-hop. Um, but the documentary, uh, let's talk about it, because it was a, a pretty controversial, um, I guess, kind of announcement, because there was a lot of people... I, I was surprised by the negativity, Um in terms of the release. And I know we spoke about it on the last episode in terms of like, were we ready for this? And I think we all agreed we were hoping for kind of a last dance or defiant ones, like episodic, you know, loads of detail, real deep dive, loads of stuff we'd never seen, all this inside track. And we were kind of hoping that it wouldn't be an hour and a half documentary. We're talking heads of a lot of the same people. However, I'd love to get your insight on what you actually thought um, about the documentary and, and Basically, was it worth it, T? I've never seen any Biggie documentaries, so it was all kind of fresh. I mean, I did see... Was there a Biggie and Tupac film called Unresolved? Stuff like that. Fairly uh, certain there's that. There's English, a, direct, English director did it back in the day. Yeah, yeah Nick Broomfield. called Biggie and Tupac. That was just called Biggie yeah. and Tupac. Yeah, Nick Broomfield one where he like basically tries to track yeah, down. Yeah, so... So, so that, that's all I'd seen. I've not seen the Notorious film, so it was all kind of fresh to me. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but it felt like, you know, a night out on MDMA. You know, started off feeling very euphoric. You know, Biggie, you know, his mum comes, uh, um, comes to America, you know, she loves her life over there. Biggie's in school, you know, impressing people, the old jazz guy. And then it gets a bit kind of melancholic, you know, with, well, if you're listening to this, I presume you've watched it already, so if there's any spoilers, I'm sorry. But when his mate gets shot, and, you know, he should have been there with him. And then, you know, Biggie does a first time and he's hyped. And then he talks about cryptically, you know, the next album's going to be about the bullshit of the business. I'm surprised Diddy left that in there. Mm. But it was such a journey. But then at the end, it just felt like it was a massive come down, you know, at the end. Um, obviously, we know he's going to die. But it just felt like the guy that's had dreams and dreams and dreams. And it probably made me hate Jay-Z a bit more because... I mean, Biggie wanted to be in the business game massively. Jay-Z didn't really talk about that at that time. Obviously, Jay-Z had plans, but Biggie was one of the first rappers to know what I'm going to... I don't really care about it, but I'm going to do three albums, part that there, and be a businessman. And obviously, as you know, it just didn't happen. Yeah, and and Cal, when we were chatting in our um, WhatsApp group, you were, you kind of... I don't know, me and T didn't want to say too much, but we kind of hinted that we, we'd enjoyed it. You, you were coming at it from a bit a slightly different angle, mate. Is that right? Um, yeah, like, I, 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 I did, yeah, I did enjoy it. I didn't, <laughs> you guys, you guys said it was quite emotional for you. Let's come, just admit it. It's okay. We have feelings. It's okay. I didn't feel like that because I'm a man, but, <laughs> but no, to well, be honest. Welcome to the 1950s with Cal. <laughs> <laughs> next but up no... talking about where women's place is okay <laughs> it's a kitchen cow get out you disgust me, disgust me. <laughs> but um the thing that the thing for me what what i liked about the documentary was it wasn't in that kind of format where it usually is where it's like here's my here's my struggle and now i'm a massive celebrity and 
oh no, it all comes crashing down. It was all very balanced. There wasn't no hyperbole about his success. They didn't talk about money or sales or anything like that. They didn't have pictures of him with platinum plaques and all that sort of stuff. They didn't show the glitz and the glamour. It was about him. It was about him as a person and him and his whole life. And the every part of his life was given equal time. There wasn't for you know half an hour dedicated to the two-pack thing. It was about five minutes. It was nothing. Uh, they barely gave anything to it, which I can imagine. Miss Wallace, and who's a fucking saint, by the way, and Puffy probably wouldn't have wanted it to be dominated by the whole East-West thing. Because the East-West thing, like we said in the last podcast, has been done to death. It's been absolutely done to death. Um, and T, the, the thing you were looking for earlier was Unsolved. That's the drama series they did on the East-West thing. I thought it was in the cinema, though, so it was a film. Was it, was ah, it a okay. Yeah. yeah, I think you got those mixed up. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Biggie and Tupac is the film and the Unsolved is like the drama thing. Um, but yeah, that's what I liked about it is that they gave they gave the whole, all of it an equal amount of time. They didn't they they took their time with it and it didn't leap massive amounts of time and they they you got to learn more about him as a human being instead of him as just a rapper. Yeah, spot on. I mean, what I took from it, I did find it emotional if I'm being honest. And I think the reason for that is is kind of what you just said there, Cal, which is they made a, a good decision by making it predominantly about him as a person, him growing up, his family, his close, like, knit group of friends. And there was very little on Biggie, the rapper, the star, the, like, you know, the record sales and the singles. It wasn't really about his music career. It mm. was much more about his his actual life, in a way, and mm. those landmark moments. And I thought it was there were some really tender moments in terms of like talking about Jamaica and his uncle over there who was like you know kind of involved in music and and like T said the kind of jazz musician from around the way that kind of looked out for him in his early years you know some of these friendships from people around the block and the way that they kind of showed you know how close people were and how they were connected by their blocks and by their area and you did you did it kind of just I don't know it just took me back a little bit in the sense of it's like when I watch like a Michael Jackson documentary about the making of bad and the time and care and attention and the stories of those era of those eras. Just, I don't know. There seems to be more kind of fate about them and these moments when things happened that led to these like big events. There's a lot less like manufactured pop stars and stars and kind of careers. It was like, he could have just ended up in prison or dead uh, like a younger age on the street from, from drug dealing. And it was like, these little moments that changed his life. And I, the reason I got emotional about it is because I sort of saw it as like fundamentally, he was like a, like a family man, almost like a, like a guy who was trying to take care of his people and saw a way out. And it was kind of just snuffed out, just so meaningless, like it was so meaningless. And, you know, even the way that they were talking about kind of the funeral and, you know, the moments of coming back to, the neighborhood and seeing the way everyone was responding and, and like you say miss wallace is an absolute saint and she was getting kind of quite emotional about how people thought about her son and like how they felt about him and his music and what it meant and it don't know it just like it just touched the nerve a little bit i was just like are we ever gonna see that again like i was just trying to put myself in that shoes now i was like i can't imagine being in a world where like someone comes out now and dies and and literally people are in the streets like crying and then playing music and going like 
that's a contemporary. It's like if if Stevie Wonder dies, yeah, fine. People will go fucking mad and they'll be everywhere. Same with Jackson and all that when that happened. But there won't be that. Like, it won't happen for someone who's like in it, like in that yeah. moment. So yeah. I don't know. It just it was it was. I just felt I left, I was left very sad by the whole thing. If I'm being honest, like I didn't I didn't yeah. feel like oh what a sick documentary. Like oh that was really cool. I was just yeah. like fuck. Like what a waste. What yeah. a waste of like a talent. But I thought it was I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I mean, I I thought the same thing. It just felt like such a waste. But why? I probably felt a bit euphoric and emotional. So it just brought back so many memories of the memories of, you know, first hearing about him. You know, the first time I heard him was on the Dolly My Baby remix of Supercat, and Diddy probably doing his first ever verse on Wax, which is fucking terrible. But there we go. Um, yeah. And obviously, there's a pride that you know Biggie was. You know, his mum was from Jamaica. And so obviously I kind of connected, connected with him in that way, with that. Um, and I'm fairly certain the gig they showed in London was the one I was at. Fairly certain of that. I didn't think it was that early, though, in the in the time, because it was Biggie, Craig Mack and Puff Daddy. But it just brought back memories of my teenage years, and it just you know just brought all, all back. It just felt so sad to see it taken away, because as I touched on earlier, he had so many plans. Um, I guess the glaring omission for me was Little Kim. I think she'd have had so much to to say, you know, so much to add to to the documentary. But it's nice to hear from from Faith Evans. Um, you know, Easy Mo B played a big role in it, which was good because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he did um, Jackson Biggie, he did Flavor New Year for Craig Mack. So it, it was nice to see him. But it just, I think often we talk about hip hop and we say, you know, it's not like it wasn't a golden era and it's not what it used to be. But just, you just felt transported back to those days, whether you were around then or not. You just felt like you were back there in 1995 when Biggie was blowing up and the documentary took you there. Um, mm. I mean, James Holder touched on um, Diddy's fingerprints and his ego. I didn't feel that big, that um, Diddy, well, might did it too much. Because as mm. I said, I mean, even when he talked about the, you know, the shiftiness of the business, he left that in there, didn't have to leave that in there. So, so yeah, I mean, I came away from it feeling, well, I just brought it all back and you know, just, because yeah. even when I found, you know, for example, when I found out, I found, I mean, I was in college back then and I found out and it's not like back now you go on Twitter and you see the outpouring of emotion and, and to be fair, if I had that back then, I probably would have, you know, burst out quite of the day, seeing all the tributes to him and stuff. But back yeah. then, because what happened was a big breakfast. Tell me you guys remember big breakfast for fuck's sake. I'm not that old. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank yeah. God for that. So TV's on mute, right? And they showed the motor that he was shot in and they moved to the next scene, but the TV's on mute. So I didn't think anything of it. I just saw, I heard Biggie's name, I thought, oh, it was at some award ceremony or something, so I thought nothing of it. Coming to college now, and my mate says, yeah, Biggie's died. I'm like, you're fucking joking. And I didn't believe him, and I had no one there to disprove it, because, you know, unless, unless I was going to bring a transistor ready to, to college, you're not really going to find out about it. But then, once it sunk in, it's just, oh, for fuck's sake. But then, when you think of it now, you don't realise how close proximity that they died to each other. Mm. You know, yeah. obviously, I mean, there's about... Eight, six, eight it's, months in between. Yeah, so, yeah. so you know, I mean, you think about that as a period of time that they both died. They kind of almost thought, well, you kind of reasoned with yourself when it happened, like, oh, it was inevitable anyway. You know, the way things are going with, yeah. because people are still talking about a two-pack death for ages after. And then when Biggie died, that got brought into it. But it, it just brought it all back, really. Yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 like you said before, T. Like, Biggie's been dead longer than he was alive nearly pretty much right and it's uh or it's about the same isn't it and it's so they what happens is when someone's been like 
passed that long ago they 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 almost stop being human and they become mm. this they become something bigger than that they become something different they're just this this person or this thing that you see on the tv you know you forget that they were a person a human being with children and a wife and a mother mm. and um yeah and so that was you you forget that and i think that's what that was what was good about the documentary was that it brought it all kind of back that this was a person and he had hopes and dreams and a family and like you said t as well it wasn't there wasn't much puffy he wasn't in it much i don't remember feeling like he was in it much um miss wallace was in it enough her lace front is fucking fire oh my god that wig is just amazing i was like fuck she looks fucking good like <laughs> i was like she looks great like she's fucking spending that fucking biggie royalty money good but she's a saint she's a saint to put up with like it was do you know what it was it was when she said about when biggie met puffy and mm. she said that damn puffy and then she just chuckled i was like you're a fucking saint because if you she must have at one point had blamed puffy for what happened to her son and for her for all these years later for her to be you know seemingly at peace and to speak about puffy in that way in almost like a throwaway jokey kind of way i was just like oh my god you are you are an actual saint you are a saint that you can be at peace like that yeah i did i did think the one the one i agree about the sort of puffy kept himself out of it in the main and, and when he was on camera i felt it was again in the main fairly like humble he tried to keep it like about big but there were a couple of times when he was like we did this and we we dropped that and i'm like you're not the artist though so you've kind of bundled yourself in and like i know what he means like bad boys referring to but it's like yeah, all right, mate. Hang on. Someone made a Godfather reference, didn't they? Am I imagining this? Go on. Someone made a Godfather reference. I don't know if it was Don Corleone and um, fucking Michael with Diddy and right. uh, Biggie. Did someone right. say that? Am I imagining that? I might miss that. I think what, I missed that. In the doc itself? I, uh, yeah, I don't uh, remember that. I must be imagining it because someone was like, you know, the way these two are kind of smashing the scene, they're almost like, you know, I think even, I don't know, someone referenced Scarface as well. Yeah, Scarface in the video. Biggie and Puff, but I don't know, I'm probably misremembering as usual, but I thought, I'm fairly certain I saw an image of um, De Niro as um, Corleone in there, but I'm probably wrong. Maybe. I I definitely feel, though, that I think we were right. I think that this definitely could have been, like, fleshed out over more episodes and had more. Like, there there were bits that I was, like, really curious about that I think they could have gone into more detail. So Lil' Kim definitely... Definitely one. I think there's a lot of room for um, the, the uh, big and Mac stuff. Like that, yeah. That yeah. kind of launch of that was a was a massive thing. And actually, how essentially, you know, and again, to be fair to Puff, it was like, oh, I left Andre Harrell, and then didn't know what we we're going to do, and then things happened, and it wasn't like, yeah, we did this and we did that. But I actually want to see that. I would be interested in how Bad Boy launched and how Big was a part of that. And I think you could have, they could have had, you know, elements of how big was crucial in bad boys like early days and and the development of that i really would have liked to have seen that i would have liked to have seen a lot more on the making of some of those tracks on ready to die and i would like to have heard from producers that were on the album so like primo and how they work on those like to have seen like some of the featured artists um talk about the making of the tracks like a bit more about the music and then you can have like episodes a bit more about the breakdown of the relationship between tupac like I i feel like there's 
a lot more there that you can do. And I would have preferred to have seen like a last dance type setup where we see a lot more of that interesting stuff, but spread across his entire career in detail. I just feel like it's a missed opportunity. I think it got a way up the audience for that though as well, because you know, as James Holder said in his piece as well, that um if you're well, dare I say a casual of the hip hop scene, this is probably perfect for you. But if you're gonna you're gonna make six, eight episodes to elongate it, but who's really gonna wanna watch all that? Who's gonna wanna find out how Warning was made, for example? I love Warning. Great song. Or the what with uh Method Man. Um, you know, find out that was made, but there's a very maybe limited audience for it. And as mm. and to be fair, maybe this documentary will, will encourage um, a last dance type thing where there is an eight, you know, there is a little, you know, eight eight episode um, thing made. Maybe mm. it won't be on something as big as Netflix, but you know, maybe this has got big. This has got people talking about Biggie again. So yeah, true. You, you, you f- never know. I feel like though, like Last Dance and uh, Defiant Ones captured a lot of people who aren't interested in basketball or hip-hop they found a mm. like a through thread that captured it like i'm not massively into basketball but it was like 90 it's michael jordan it's like it's, it's that name that you associate with just like it crosses over the sport right but i found the sports stuff really interesting maybe that's just me but it was a pretty well-received documentary that i think like a lot of people outside of the interest groups would would enjoy it and exactly the same as um you know, with defiant ones. I think there are a lot of people who aren't into hip hop or even like necessarily into like the music industry that are like, it's just an interesting topic. And I just feel like if they could have worked something out and like found a thing that was like drawing it all the way through, I think they could have done something with it. But we never know. Um okay. Talking of um we mentioned there the what, which is the only feature on this album are Ready to Die uh, from Biggie. Um features Method Man and this week he turned fifty years old. So I thought it was only right that we um, that we talk about him because at 50 years old, that is a long time in the game. He's been on some uh, classic records, including Ready to Die and obviously the Wu-Tang stuff and his own solo stuff. Um, Cal, where does Method Band sit in the pantheon of, of rappers, mate? Oh, well, I think there was a, a conversation before about um, like who was like the best kind of guest rapper. And I think kind of like the universal choice was Buster Rhymes but Method Man is 100% up there he can, yeah. he has that kind of variety where he can do anything he can do he was you know for for a guy coming out of the Wu-Tang Clan for him to make uh, a record like he did with Mary J Blige so early mm. in his career was incredibly brave and but it wasn't like it didn't come across like LL Cool J it came across yeah. like a boots like a like a Method Man record, you know, and uh, he's he's 100% up there. He's so fucking charismatic. And I actually and the thing is with with Method Man as well is like, even though he like he's he's just turned he's just turned 50. He still can fucking rap today because he I think the, that the thing with him is he's surrounded with all these other all the other guys in Wu-Tang and they they kind of vibe off of each other, don't they? And there's that mm. bit in the, the Wu-Tang documentary where he sat there in the cinema seats and he's kind of spitting. Uh, is it Mike's and Men? Is that the, the documentary yeah, series the thing Mike's they did? Men. And he, they're sitting there in the kind of like the cinema and he's just he just starts rapping to himself and all he wants is Ghost or Ray or anybody to just turn around and just give him a little dap, give him a little nod and 
he is a he's a pure MC for that reason and that reason alone. He just he wants to impress those guys, and it's such a it's it's he's just pure. He's just a pure rapper. But and even the last Wu Tang album, when the last Wu Tang album came out, he carried that. He, he carried did, yeah. that last Wu Tang album. He was brilliant um, on that. Uh, so yeah, he's still great to this day. To this day. To this day. <laughs> See, come on, share share your thoughts on uh, Method Man. That. Album was meant to be a Method Man and Redman album, and then the rest of them hopped on it. So that's probably why mm. Method Man was so predominant. For me, he feels a bit like um, like Ronaldo R9 in that he had so much early promise, but knee injuries took away his prime. So what I mean by this, he did Takao, um, you know, did the collabs of Redman, but he he took Asia to make Takao Part Two, which I've never heard. <laughs> you know, I've never heard the album, but I felt like it could have been really cemented his legacy as one of the best rappers of all time. Because he's not really in that conversation, and maybe he should be. But Method Man, that's Snoop Dogg, is he's iconic for the hip hop scene. Whether or not for his rap career, he's been in The Wire, and all three of us love The Wire, and he was amazing in that. I believe he was in Oz. Would have misremembering that again, but he's just an icon in the rap game, and. And also, I saw I saw him live in Equinox back in '95. It's him with the jizzle on stage, did shadow boxing, and um, I remember that concert. Um, the little girl came up on stage. She just walked from backstage. She must can't be any more than six, seven years old. Hey, hey, little guy, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> get the fuck out of here! This ain't some <laughs> Jodeci shit. <laughs> and that's my dying day. I will always remember. Everyone is like, oh my god. And this is not if I was a Jodeci were like gods back then. This this ain't no Jodeci concert, man. Bring the next song on. And (laughs) you know, Carl, you and I have seen Action Bronson and he climbs up. You know, he climbs. I don't know if it would be like um. So where did we see him? Is it Coco's? Uh, Yes, yes. And he's just climbing, you know, balconies and shit. Method Man is the first person I saw do that, man. Um, at Equinox and. A man's foot. I think someone threw something at him, took off his shoe and threw it back at the guy. <laughs> and he didn't even get his shoe back for ages. <laughs> so man's just performing on one shoe. Just just love his energy. And um, he's another one who just means means so much to me because it's just that that same era, man. And you know, I mean he's even on this whole if you follow him on um, Instagram, he's on this whole like you know, healthy living shit, man. Man's doing like weights and shit and he just looks Barely looks a day. Barely looks a day over forty, let alone fifty. Yeah, and also like um, I read something the other day about him that he hasn't. Um, he's basically stopped putting curse words in his raps for like the last ten years yes. or something. Yeah. Fucking crazy. I think that's just shows a level at like a skill set level that takes him above a lot of his contemporaries who rely on like certain tropes in hip hop. And to be able to do that like in a conscious way without being a conscious rapper, I think is a is a pretty cool thing. And yeah, I just I totally agree with what you boys have said i just think he's um he's iconic like that voice is just so recognizable he's all he's, he fucking delivers on every feature he's got like you know he's, he's on some classic albums he's like been part of you know uh, one of the most iconic groups in music like he's yeah he's uh his legendary status is solidified for sure um cool let's go from a legend to some new some new blood. This is our ha- halftime hype track. So, uh, again, if you want your track to be played on the show, you've got to submit it to us. Um, go on our website, notoriouspod.com. Uh, send us your music. If we like it, 
we will feature it on our halftime hype playlist, um, which is on Spotify. You can check that out. Um, the track this week is by an artist called Fillmore Green. The track is called I Love You, and it's from his album The Survival Scroll. Um, I really like it. This album is really interesting to me, and I really like this instrumental. Very like, uh, very cool sample. It's kind of like this. I don't know where I put it in the time frame. It sounds modern, but could be old. That type of hip hop's my favorite, I think. Um, so yeah, so this is uh, Fillmore Green. I love you from the album Survival Scroll. See what I'm gonna do right now. I'm gonna break down a four-letter word for y'all and what it mean to me. That word is love. It's all love. Just need y'all to vibe out with me right quick. Let's get into it live. Love is a four-letter word. It comes with a gift and a curse. It can't be rehearsed. Love is organic. Love is when you up in court prancing. The judge tell you not guilty, now you in court scramming. Love is real, love is raw, love has never seen defeat before Love can travel through the space of time within the speed of light But on the contrary, it could take some time Love, love is my last name Love is everything you dreamed in life up in the fast lane Love is gonna supersede hatred Love is what we need up in the nation Or better yet, the world You ever felt love? Well, you never felt love until it's from your baby girl Love is seeing your boys to men And then you see them win Love is gonna stand into the end Love I-L-O-V-E-Y-O-U I-L-O-V-E-Y-O-U Yeah I-L-O-V-E-Y-O-U Love is just us Love is when you pace and never rush Love is when you grow up in the hood Seeing the beautiful things But all the harsh is understood Love You ever saw love at first sight? Love is when you celebrate life Love is when you fight for what's right Just to secure the victory Love is the theme of life That's love My Aunt Michelle died when I was 16 When she went to heaven she was 27 We lived in the same house for 13 years I never told her that I love her It bring me to tears, damn Love is when you overcome regret Love is the ultimate test, that's life So if I never verbally told you then I owe you I-L-O-V-E-Y-O-U I-L-O-V-E-Y-O-U I wanted to just say about the bad boy bit two things number one Watch the Bad Boy documentary because it describes pretty much all the stuff you wanted, John. It's okay. on Apple TV. Second thing, imagine if they did a documentary about life after death, right? And then they've got to talk about fucking you tonight. And they have a prison interview with R. Kelly. He's oh, sitting there <laughs> a fucking orange jumpsuit going, oh, yeah, man, this is when I wrote the hook. Getting, like, his, getting his COVID jab. With his sleeve rolled down, getting his jab. <laughs> And then some big 
burly motherfucker walks past him and goes, I'll see your ass later. <laughs> Slaps him on the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, honey, Robert, honey, your lunch is ready. And he puts his big hand on his shoulder. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's that's, that's stroking his bald head. I'll see your ass later. <laughs> anyway, well, let's carry on. I was thinking about that because even um, on Ready to Die, Unbelievable is a R. Kelly sample as well. So that'd be pretty funny. Because you could get that idea as well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Well, the track you were just listening to is uh, I Love You by Fillmore Green from the Survival Scroll album. So on our Spotify playlist, Halftime Hype. um, So go and check it out. All right, it's time for part three. The choice is yours. So, choice is yours is basically a choice between two things and why. Could be an album, could be artist, could be a comedian, sneaker brand. Um, and we'll try and keep it as relevant as possible to the week that we record. So, we, we've already mentioned one member of Wu-Tang this week. And with rumours of a versus battle between two Wu-Tang members, I thought this week's choice is yours is a bit of a tough one, but one that needs to be done. It's a, it's a long-had and long-fought battle. Raekwon or Ghostface? Brutal T. Talk to me, Raekwon or Ghostface? Be Ghostface by an absolute fucking landslide. It's just, oh, just, 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 for, just a body of work. Just for sheer body of work. Um, Ghostface did absolutely body in. Um, I just don't think I don't think Raekwon's got got the receipts, man. Ray, as, as for the skillers MCs, oh, it's close. It's really close. When the verse is Ghostface would eat him. So we're going for uh, quantity over quality. Is that your? It's kind of got both. I think Ghostface has probably arguably got the best discography in hip hop. Um, definitely up there with Jay Z, in my opinion. Just um, from Iron Man through to you know, coming with the opposite. Was it Ghostface Killers? He did last one. Um, you know, just for just for that, just the consistency and the quality of it. I think that um, Ghostface eats anyone. But then to be fair. There's a very narrow sphere of hip hop who would think that because it's it's quite boom bap, it's quite gully. It's not many you know commercial radio friendly tracks among it all. But yeah, I think Ghostface would eat him in terms of um, music released. Interesting, Cal, talk to me. It's tough, man, isn't it? It is really, really tough. So I was quite impressed that T just came out and said, "Don't fuck off, Raekwon shit." Ghostface wins. Like I rate it. I rate it. I'm paraphrasing a tiny, tiny bit, but. Um, Basically, what he said. He said Raekwon's shit, basically. Yeah. He said Ray, Raekwon is the R. Kelly of Wu Tang. That's what he said. Yeah. That's what I heard. See anyway. you, God. Yeah. He, he said Capadonna. Yeah. Capadonna, shit little Zane, just bum. <laughs> Capadonna's good, man. I'm not having that. Yeah. Yeah, mm. <laughs> um, yeah man. Raekwon's just. Yeah. I kind of feel like I want to defend him now, really. You know, because, yeah, I, I get T's point, like, Ghostface has just been, he's, like, so consistent, and I know we use that word all the time for, for rappers, but he is, like, he's so consistent, he's always putting out material, it never sounds tired, even though, like, the subject matter doesn't change massively, like, his music never really sounds tired, whereas Raekwon, like, he's great, but he has dropped a couple of duds like there has been a couple of duds like lex diamond story wasn't amazing um but 
he's done Cuban Links. Cuban Links 2 was good. You know, he did Shaolin versus Wu-Tang, which had a fucking Lloyd Banks fucking guest appearance on it. So, you know, pff, that, that might actually put him over the top, you know. I think that might put him over the top. Actually, yeah, I've changed my mind. Raekwon by... But he's pissed all over Ghostface because he's got a, he's got a Lloyd Banks guest appearance. What's what's Ghostface ever done? Nothing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add my two pence to this. All right, I, I'm also gonna go with Raekwon, uh, and I read Ooh. the reason the reason why. And, and look, this is one of those like flip a coin and you can't be wrong. Really, like these are two of the no. fucking greatest of all time. Like this is this is a hard thing to do. One, there's a bit of bias because I've I've always liked Raekwon. Like just I don't know for whatever reason it's just always resonated with me. So is Ghost, but this is the reason why I would pick Ray over Ghost. I totally agree with T's point that Ghost sort of has, definitely has quantity, right? And he's he's one of the very few rappers now that he drops something, and everyone in hip hop's still interested in that, which is which in itself is a is a big thing. He's also got like quality solo albums, and he's got like great moments, like classic moments on on Wu Tang joints, right? They're, they're the like. The things you need, I think, to be in that top bracket. However, his highest moments aren't as high as Ray, Ray's. So there are less high moments. And in, what, in other words, Ghostface, in my opinion, doesn't have a better album than Only Built for Cuban Links. So he might have he might have like four better albums than the rest of Raekwon's, but he hasn't got a better album than him. He also doesn't have some of the most iconic verses in hip hop history. And I'll breathe for a second there. And what I mean by that is, when you hear Raekwon's verse on Cream, that is oh. iconic level. That is like Prodigy's first verse um, on Shook One's level. It's like Nas's Illmatic verse. It's like, it's top tier. He also has some of the best features on some of the best albums ever, um, including, and not to my shame, isn't he a featured artist on uh, Kanye's Twisted Fantasy? He's also on... Yes. Um, your beef is mine on um, Mob Deep. Mob Deep, like he's had loads of features on loads of classic records, not just like on those albums, but those actual tracks being massive tracks in in of, of themselves. So for me, it's like it's his moments are higher, but like overall consistency and length, Ghost. But for me, it's like it's got to be the moments. Like I, I I can't think of like an iconic Ghost verse that everybody's like, oh yeah, that's amazing that everyone knows. Like no one knows, no one in their like kind of general view of the world, people aren't going. Yeah, but that Ghostface verse on that iconic track just doesn't exist. I don't think Ray Raekwon's best project has Ghostface all over it though, which is for Cuban Links. It's a joint album. It's not a Raekwon album by himself. But you know, I think the Go the Raekwon verse on um, I Four and I was amazing. But the Ghostface is on the album too. Right back at you. In terms of verses, I don't think Ghostface is that type of MC, and that's fine. I mean, you've got MCs like um, Black Thought and Royce of 5-9 or Smash a Verse, but are they releasing full-length projects? You know, and I don't know. I mean, they're both awesome, and it's close, but I just feel that, I don't know, I guess you've, got, you've kind of got to respect a body of work because that's not easy. I mean, he's made himself relevant yeah. all this time later. And, Ghost, and Raekwon did an album with Justin Bieber on it, I believe. No, no, he featured on a Justin Bieber song. That's wrong. But he made an album full of... Um, he made an R&B album. Right. Um, I think there's one where he sings over Tina Marie's Ooh La 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 and a few other... 25 songs long. But Ghostface has never had to do gimmicks, so to speak, to remain relevant. It's just been him. Mm. And I, I don't know. I mean, 
And as I said, in a versus, um, in a versus um, Ghostface wins, but in terms of moments, it's hard to disagree with what John said in terms of um, Raekwon versus and and the Cuban Links is, is a better album, but I think it's, it's almost a joint project, that one. Yeah. Just just uh, as an aside, like favorite track from from each artist. Um, I don't mind like going going first. Like, um, I'll I'll take one from Ghostface in as I like I've been feel like I've been digging him out. Um, Mighty Healthy, for me, it's like always that, just that that sample at the beginning, just the way that like the keys or whatever it is that kind of just come in. Just fucking love that track, and I think he sounds amazing on that. Cal, uh, I think from Ghostface I think uh, it's it's a slightly newer one actually it's not from it's probably um, Ragu from the Fish Scale album yes fucking fucking hard hard Um, and I think from Raekwon uh, it's probably something from Mobile for Cuban Links it's probably Incarcerated Scarfaces or Glaciers of Ice or one of those ones and then obviously there's the track he did with Boy Banks which is an all time classic as well (laughs) see the problem with these guys is that their best songs almost feature each other, so mm-hmm. it almost sounds a bit, feels a bit kind of productive. The favourite Ghostface tracks, um, Cal mentioned the Fish Scale album, Shaky Dog. There's a Shaky Dog, Shaky Dog, the opening track. Um, there's a song on More Fish called, um, called The Sun, which features Raekwon and Slick Rick. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um <laughs> They told the five hundred figures of Aquan on it again. <laughs> um, is there a better? Is there a better two that aren't officially a two? As in, like, are there a, in like, life? Like, yeah. <laughs> no. Who who's testing them two? Like realistically, even yeah. Hungmin Son and Kane can't test <laughs> them two. Yeah. Method Man and Red Man aren't getting close, are they? Yeah, because like no. they're like you're right, because like they're not like an official couple. They're just no. kind of fuck, they're kind of fucking, and it's like. Nate Dogg and Warren G was like the first one that came into my head. Snoop yeah. and Dr. Dre, like West Coast guys are like the kind of the first thing I thought of really. But it's a good question. Like who's like, yeah, the best unofficial, unofficial couples. Right. That? Yeah. I just feel like that them two, like if you put them together, they're well, they're well up there. Like imagine yeah. they were just that, they were a thing, right? Raycon and Ghostface were like yeah. a group. Yeah. They would be well up there. Like yeah. of all time across and any, any. Is, if you Put an album of the best songs that they've both been on it. It would be a fucking classic. Oh, because all the, be the all best songs I'm ever. thinking of now, you know, Glaciers of Ice, I think has both of them on it. Um, yeah. Fucking Incarcerated Scarfaces. Criminology, yeah, has has both of them. I think Incarcerated Scarfaces is the only song on the album that Ray Kwan's on it by himself. Mm-hmm. But Criminology with those two, the fucking Scarface at the beginning, it's just ah. Oh. There's so many hip hop yeah. gigs in the nineties. Go on. If you, ha- if you had Incarcerated Scarface with Ghost on it, though, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like oh, you God, take yeah. those those instrumentals and like Mighty Healthy is just ghost. If you had like Ray on that, like the, like those the beats that they've got like between them, you put them both on all of the tracks. You've got basically the best hip hop album ever. Yeah. And you know what kills it? We've spoken about three members of one group, right? Mm. And we've not really spoken about. I mean, my personal favorite is a genius, but mm. not just a yeah. discography. I just love the genius. But it's like we talk about you know the Beatles and. Queen and all the greatest groups of all time, but Wu Tang for me will always be my Beatles, always. And, yeah. and it makes me sad. going to be kids born who will think who will say that they're shit. And ironically, I've got like <laughs> bat my tongue and not say it. <laughs> but they're just gods to me, absolute gods. You yeah. got ODB, you got the RZA, and oh my days. Yeah, I can't. And, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like you would like 
rate that the little young scrapper that comes up to you and goes, Wu Tang is shit. <laughs> you just proper rate them for it. But they are, without doubt, the fucking greatest group in music history. Like, there's, I don't think there's any competition, to be honest. Like you said, there's the RZA, the Genius, Method Man. And then you have, like, all the other, like, things that, like, come off of it. You've got Red Man. You've got Killer Priest. You've got, it's, it's a, it was a, it is, it still is, like, a cultural fucking phenomenon, Wu-Tang. It's just special, special. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Inspector Deck as well. I think is like talking about yeah, yeah. talking about moments. Like he's another one. Like he doesn't really have a classic album that you can pin it on, but his yeah. verses for Wu Tang are some of their most iconic. And that yes. that for me is like that means something. Just because he hasn't like done stuff on his own um, to that's noted to the same level. You know, like his feature with Gangstar is above the clouds. His verse is fucking unbelievable on that record. And he's incredible on on all the Wu Tang albums. So it's like he's another one, like top top level uh, performer in his in his craft. So yeah, fucking love Wu Tang. Um, all right, let's go into um, our final part. This is the questions. It's the questions. So this is the section where we answer your listener questions. We've had some um, we've had some good ones this week. We actually had one from uh, regular listener at B Boy Edgy, aka Miss Congezialities. I love that he's kept. He's kept it from when we did the puns, like the big puns. I uh, love that. Uh, so he's asked us the following. Uh, LL Cool J is a hip-hop legend, but the posing with his top off whilst flexing his biceps and licking his lips makes him a massive twattington and makes you wish it was him that got eaten by a fuck-off shark instead of Samuel L. Jackson and Deep Blue Sea. Spoiler, but in... but still. <laughs> Spoiler, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's about 20 years old, that movie, so fuck <laughs> uh, But in reality or not. So basically he's asking us, is LL Cool J a massive twat or not? Um, T, talk to me. It's one of those mad ones because, I mean, obviously, a little bit older than you, Joe. I remember, like, I remember Mark Hughes as a footballer, as a baller, but now he seems as a miserable football manager. And LL Cool J's prime was a little bit before my time listening to hip hop, to be fair. So I only did like radio and, you know, Mama said Nokia. I was really into hip hop hard, hard then. And, and you've got this image of him, you know, with his shirt off and him in CSI and shit like that. And you just think, well, no, nah, you were never, you, you were never about that life. But LL can battle. LL was one of those other people who are just icons in hip hop. And I think he's corny as fuck. And I'm glad that cannabis touched on it when they were battling. But no, nah, he, he, he's an icon in the game. I mean, whether he's naff or not, I mean, he's probably going to get me eaten up. But Americans kind of like people who are trying to appear to be wholesome but in england they're so cynical we're like fuck off mate you know we know we, we know you sniffed a bit of coke and shit in your missus just fat, turn it in mate yeah fair cow yeah do you know what i i, I kind of uh i feel bad i'm always digging everybody out all the time i like ll man i do you know what the thing that i remember about that film was that he finally embraced his baldness like he would always wear a scully or a hat or something like Neo as well, like the singer, yeah. like uncommon for a while. Yeah, yeah. like they. You can't... know, you, you know what happened, right? When these guys become actors, they take the hat off. So that's when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's true, so true. Yeah. Can't be in a movie with the hat on all the time. So go on. Yeah, go you on. can't. That's it. You can't be sleeping in like you know in a fucking basement. 
yeah like you're, you're bored like that was the thing that's the thing i remember about ll's acting career is like finally embraced that he's bald he's got a massive head and he's bald. <laughs> and like neo like neo's were like he looks terrible <laughs> he looked terrible as a bald man it doesn't work for him he needs to go to turkey um but <laughs> but i said i wasn't gonna dig anybody out and here i am digging neo out but i, I like ll man like I, i'm one of the few people who like the goat album like i like i like the goat album i thought it was pretty cool i like the intro to it um i like the 10 album i thought that was good too um that whole fucking licking his lips and being swam shit that's just that's him that's part of his gimmick you know it's, it's cool is cool by me he's uh, he's fine he's a bit he, that whole fucking accidental racist song that he did which freddie gibbs fucking gunned him about was a bit cringe and he yeah. did that fucking verse he did that verse didn't he on yeah. um, like instagram Q-tip. yeah with q-tip <laughs> in the studio it's like yeah it's like no you sound shit like stop like go uh, do csi you fucking dick like but other than that i like it always cool yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. I think he's one of those there's certain certain people in all art forms that are just like they were great for their time. And so like judging them by modern styles and standards is kind of reductive because it's just like, well, they're not actually in the mix now. They're just they're doing their own thing and like we've got to appreciate them and measure them against what they were up against at the time. And at the time he was cool and fresh and original and it was different. Like I absolutely love uh, Love You Better, which is Neptune's production, right? But actually, the lyrics and his flow are fucking basic and pretty, pretty shit. But at the time, I was like, this is this is great. And that was well at the end of his music career. Like that was when he was doing like tracks with J-Lo and like still dropping the odd single here and there that was like doing bits. And to be fair to him, like that was quite a long way after his prime. And so he was still he was still dropping uh, bits and pieces then that were that were standing up, that were doing all right. And so for me, it's like hating him now over his music is like, yeah, it's pretty funny to point and laugh at him. But he he's done enough, man. He's he's, he's like credits in the tank, I think. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, you know what? I mean, speaking of um, shirtless men, um, <laughs> we need to speak about D'Angelo's um, verses. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. It's a fucking, it's a bloody hour and a half long of karaoke, mate. Mm. I wasn't happy. Oh my god, it's so thought, terrible. You know, it was, it really was. Um, obviously, when you see in the articles now, there's meant to be him versus uh, Maxwell. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah. But it's like DJ Scott was just playing the record. He used to sing along to bits and pieces of it. It's like, yeah. fuck off. Yeah, I had, like, I thought in my mind, I was imagining, like, literally an all star. I thought it'd be like um, Questlove, uh, like uh, Raphael Sadiq, D'Angelo, one side, and then, like, just like, I just thought it was going to be, be like two full bands and they were going to properly just fucking play classics and like just take it in turns to switch switch it up. And then it was, yeah, like just, oh, well, we'll just play the record and I'll just sing a little bit over the time. I was like fucking granddad at a karaoke party. Like it was a bit cringe. Um, if it, if the Maxwell one is is going to be different and it's going to be like a full band and stuff like that then yeah great I'll, I'll be interested in that for like your musicianship as much as anything but i just don't think that's going to happen i think they're milking this and i think people are going to wake up and go this is bullshit like this is a fucking waste of time 
I'm fucking over versus. I'm fucking over it. Like we're all over COVID, but and versus is like an offshoot of COVID, isn't it? It's like we had yeah. to do this. We had to have it because no one could go to gigs anymore. But I've never been a fan of it, to be honest. It's it's been interesting talking points for us, and it's gone mm. like rappers and singers and stuff back into the limelight again, and we get to listen to class, classic records. But I'm not, I'm not a fan of it as a concept. Concept, to be honest, I think it's a bit shit, to be honest. But um, yeah, I watched it and I was like, oh, and I, someone posted it on Insta, and I quickly looked at it and I was just fast forward I was like is he actually going to start singing soon and it wasn't like T said it was just they were playing the songs and he was just singing over little bits and pieces it was terrible but I never forgave him for when I went to his concert and he was like an hour late and then every song was like fucking 10 minutes and I've got ADHD not no one's diagnosed me or anything but I've just decided I've got it and so I was just like oh my god I don't want to listen to 10 minute songs just do the bangers and fuck off mate but yeah I'm not not massive on him to be honest I think the whole versus thing is falling down because it's become very self-indulgent. And actually what they should have done is just said to like DJ Premier and say DJ Scratch and gone, right, this week it's Maxwell versus D'Angelo. And then they pick their favorite fucking 20 songs. And then next week it's Ja Rule versus 50. Uh, Scratch, you've got Ja Rule. Premium, you've got 50. Why do we need the artist there just to play the song? It just makes Mm -hmm. no fucking sense to me. Unless they're going to perform them live... What is the fucking point of it? I know with like some of the rap ones, they have done it live. Fair enough. But just generally, this one was a fucking waste of time. And I think some of the others, if they're going to go down that same route, it's going to be exactly the same problem. So, yeah, fuck it. Fuck versus. It's a bit, it's a bit shit. Um, yeah. All right. So, next question from Moose and Grouch. I, I need to know what that is. Could be Grouch. I feel like it's Grouch. Uh, he says, what rappers were exceptional at something completely different? And not fucking acting, <laughs> which I thought was pretty fucking funny. Hell. Now, the first one that popped into my mind is I saw uh, an interview. Do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Vaynerchuk. Yes, I mean, he's some um, bloody motivational speaker who Ricky loves. Yeah, well, he's also he's like, he's a billionaire businessman. But yeah, he does like loads of, um, yeah, some of those videos are like 15 seconds long on LinkedIn about like, you know, how to be motivational. I quite like him as well, to be honest. Anyway, he's doing an interview with The Game. Cow like this because it's The Game. Oh. And... Basically, the game is called the game because he's absolutely unbelievable at computer games. And I think it's in particular, it's like Madden football, like their um, Ah. NFL game, to the point (laughs) where he's literally like number one in the world on Xbox. Do you think it was him that was smashing up Snoop the other day? (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I'd love that. I would fucking love that. It was a Crip versus Blood NFL Madden game. Oh, shit. And Snoop's there fuming and the game's just pissing himself at home like fuck. So so yeah, he got his name from uh, from that. Basically, it was like yeah, the game because they just called him that because he would just constantly play Xbox and he still plays like shit loads of hours every day now and he's fucking sick of it. So that was the first thing that popped into my head is like he's um, he's amazing at that. One thing that came out of the Biggie documentary is like Biggie could hold a tune. Like he was a pretty, yeah. pretty good singer, wasn't he? Like I was quite surprised by that when he was uh, singing. Was it uh, freaking you? Yeah. But to be fair, that, that 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 clip is at the beginning of um, what's the Jagged Edge song of Biggie, um, Nasty Girl. That mm-hmm. clip is at the beginning of that video. So I've seen that clip before. But Biggie's one of those guys. I mean, he could anything he turned his hand to. I really like the bit of the documentary where they have Max Roach playing the drums, and he's rapping to to Tupac. And it's kind of almost to the to the drum beat. Um, but just to answer the question, it's fucking difficult. I mean, unless any of the Listen, rappers are really good at sports, then, or you know, Jay Z is a businessman. 
Mm. Um, trying to fucking think. I was going to. As a rapper, made a porno. Tretch. There you so, go. Tretch. Well, also, Snoop was producing pornos, wasn't he? And he was like. Featured. I, I, I watched it. He's just, just in the background like a yeah. fucking pervy granddad. Yeah, what a legend. That's what I want to be. People, I want to be. People are getting railed. Yeah, that's that's literally like my ambition in life is to be so rich that I can just produce high value porn, just be in the background, just like it's rubbing my knees. Like, I know I've made it. I'll be sitting there on the set of a porn shoot, just the the smell of like puss and like lube, and just like I've you know spending thousands on renting this massive condo in the in the hills in LA, and I'll just take one sniff and I'll just go, "You've made it, you've made it." Beans all over your vest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just literally eating them cold out of the can. Just like, fucking, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the plan. I like, um, I like it how it's gone full circle that you was judging me for being a scumbag at the start <laughs> of the podcast. And now the real you has come out. All I would say is that John Cena isn't a bad wrestler. Oh, yeah. That's a tune, though. You can't <laughs> see me. That is an absolute bag. Is it him and Freddie Fox? Yeah, Freddie Fox, yeah. Freddie Fox is like oh, all man. over his album. Like, he's really? like all, yeah, Freddie Fox is all over his And every, like, <laughs> one of the few things that Freddie Fox is famous for is being a fucking hard bastard. Yes. Like, he's one of those rappers. Is. Yeah, one of those rappers that's like, you have rappers that like tell stories about being tough, like, rest in peace to Prodigy. But like, his whole book is, is stories of him saying, I could have done something, but I decided not to that day. Whereas Freddie Fox, he'll just, he'll just thump you up. Like, no problem at all. Um, so, yeah, John Cena. That's my call. <laughs> I mean, Shaq had a bit of a rap career. He was pretty good at basketball. He was pretty good Does at that basketball. Count? It's a good album, that. What's up, There you go. Master P as well. He was a good basketball player, wasn't yeah, he? They, yeah, yeah, good shout. Good shout. Yeah. He got quite far, didn't he? Yeah, he played Mayweather boxing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mayweather did a bit. Uh, and Broner, Adrian Broner, as we spoke about last time out. There's a few. AJ. Age. Oh, God. Uh, Lawrence you know Coley. what? Lawrence Audley, Audley Harrison was one of the first ever garage MCs. <laughs> no way. I swear to God. I've read that somewhere. Yeah, he, he probably <laughs> fucking he probably quit too early then as well, little mug. <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, little bit of little gust of wind, or a bit the, the bass was too heavy and he fucking went down. Imagine it comes out that fucking Audley Harrison invented garage. <laughs> Oh mate, I'll disavow the whole genre. That'd be <laughs> that'd be tragic. Um, he went Coop... to my school, Audley Harrison. Did he really? Yeah. Um, the other one I've just thought of because we've got his cookbook downstairs. Coolio has got a cookbook. All right. So he must be. I, mean, I say he must be good at cooking. If you're someone who's like, we need an idea for a novelty cookbook. Coolio's in reception. He's just. Uh, he's not doing much. Let's see if he's available. Do you want to do a cookbook? <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Well, nothing to lose, mate. The thing is, Coolio, but. With myself and my missus, is is his big brother appearance, yeah. and um, <laughs> he was a big brother, a big brother. And he said, um, "I said it's Malone. I think it's Tina Malone," and they called her a bowling ball of legs. It's, it's become <laughs> it's become an ungood joke with my missus when we saw someone on the TV. It's a bowling ball with legs, <laughs> and he was on um, there was a um, an album. I think it's called Snaps. We're doing like mum jokes. And Snoop Dogg and Coolio was on it. Did it all right on it. Nice. What did he say to someone? Your mum looks like she shares with a broken Thunderbird bottle. <laughs> that was quite a good one from him. So fair play. But yeah, I remember Coolio from the album Snaps. I think it was. 
Oh. With, Ricky, with Ricky Harris is on an album too. R.I.P. Shit, son. Right. We've got a couple more questions. Let's get through them pretty quick because we're, we're rapidly approaching the end of the pod. Uh, we've got a question from Pivs84 on Insta. said, favorite MC sound alike? And he's put, I'm thinking Shine, uh, Gorilla Black, um, et cetera, et cetera. The first one that popped into my head, you guys mentioned it before, was Action Bronson and Ghostface. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the that's probably the biggest one I'd say. Yeah, and also that the whole um, action Bronson and Ghostface beef was fucking funny for a little while because action Bronson didn't want none of that. No, no, it was so obvious and it was so funny because he wasn't like it's not his fault. It just sounds a bit like him, and, yeah. like, and people just kept like laying it on thicker and thicker. And Ghost was just getting it like it was like Chinese whispers. Like he said, "Fucking what?" He's like, "Ain't said anything." <laughs> to be fair, he did. He had a TV show. They asked him about um, Ghostface, and he said, "Yeah, I, I think my my music is better." Oh, and shit. Ghostface saw it and kicked off. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. That is fair enough. But about the voice thing, I, I think it was like someone yeah. was specifically saying about the about the voice. But yeah, fucking hell, that's funny. Um, I can't really think of anyone else that sounds like I've someone. Got a few. Go on. Uh, Odyssey, I think, sounds like Voice to Five Nine. Uh, I I know he's one of your favourites, T. Um, there's also he's a Dirty South rapper, and he sounds a lot like Ti. I like him as well, but I hate Ti. I think Ti shit. But there's this rapper that sounds. I don't know if it's. Oh, is it? He's some southern rapper guy. Um, but there's there is this one southern rapper guy that sounds like Ti. Um, who the fuck is that? That sounds like Ti. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, and there was another one. Oh, I've forgotten it now. But my main one, yeah, Odyssey. I think Odyssey sounds like Royce to Five Nine. That's the first, that's the one that leaps out at me. Yeah, I think Bronson wins. Yeah. Bronson is obvious, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty obvious. And uh, uh, who, who asked us that? Oh, it's my man Pivs. Oh, he asked us. Oh, yeah. That, and he picked, he picked like all the best ones. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, West Side Gun is a bit like Ghostface as well. Yeah. yeah. But you can tell us, like, within like 15 seconds of, of any West Side Gun track that it's not Ghost <laughs> when you just go. <laughs> um, all right, we've got one last question from the Black Bump. Uh, if Tupac was alive, do you think he would have maintained greatness or to trap crap? Ooh, it's a tough is... one because, you know, like we've spoken about before, a lot of those rappers from that era, some of them have done pretty well and carried on and some of them haven't. See, how, how, do you, how did you see that kind of panning out if he didn't die? I think it would have just gone into acting a bit more. Um, there, were two, uh, there were two films released in quick succession after he died, um, Gang Related and Gridlock. So I reckon it got into that. It's a bit like Aaliyah, really. Um, at the time she died, I don't know if she's kind of bowing out of music a little bit. But then if Tupac had lived and Biggie had lived, how would that be prevented? You know, just been really, yeah. would it be like, um, fuck, I don't know, um, Bob Marley in 1978 getting the two rivaling parties of Jamaica to shake hands? Would it be like, I don't know, George Bush or Clinton <laughs> getting them on the stage to shake hands and then this ends? But, um, I reckon Tupac would have gone into movies. Music-wise, it's hard to really say because, mm. um, I mean, James Holder, again, referencing them again, he talked about the um, All Eyes on Me album was quite misogynistic. So him having that past, would he have gone down the whole, um, I don't know, African black queen route, route or would he just like really 
leaned into the whole misogyny thing and just kept at it and be cancelled now and just mm. be like Joe Rogan's hero, you know, like <laughs> the, the the woke elite don't like you, man. You got to keep going, keep going, double down, corner bitches more. So who the fuck knows? Yeah, he's just on tour with Jordan Peterson talking about <laughs> masculinity yeah. and anti-feminism. <laughs> Jordan <laughs> Peterson featuring Tupac. Masculinity just caps lock the entire tour. <laughs> 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 oh shit uh Cal, any thoughts on this one mate before we move yeah on? i just i'm just imagining marrying katie hopkins you know just getting just going for like the most fucking scumbag female that he like woman he can think of uh it was big yeah. crit yeah it was uh it was big crit that sounds like ti that was gonna bother me it's him he sounds like ti um what would he have done um i really no, you said how how do we think the Biggie and Tupac beef would have ended? YouTube boxing. They would have they would <laughs> Tupac, have boxed. Tupac versus Jake Paul. That's what. We yeah, yeah, like Tupac and Biggie in the semi-finals, and then Jake Paul. I, you know, and against Logan Paul, and those are the the winners face each other. You know. Wow. Imagine. Yeah, that's how I think it would have ended, and I think Biggie would have foamed him big time, just done him in in a minute. Like just smashed into bits. Yeah, um, butter beamed him, wall up, get down. Yeah, I liked. I th- yeah, that's it. Just like the way he smashed Bart Gun. Just fuck off. Fuck off. Yeah, just yeah. smashed into bits. But um, yeah, no, I think, I think it was always going to end that way for Tupac, wasn't it? Because he yeah. was going down. He did. He did. You know, he played Bishop, and then he became Bishop. Yeah. Um, in Juice, and then he signed with Suge. He got with Suge. It was always going to end up that way. If he would have somehow got away from Suge and got back into acting, which I think probably would have been the safest thing for him, then he, him and Biggie probably would have made up. They would have made music. He would have made more films. I don't think he would have got into trap music or anything like that. I think he would have stuck mm. to what he knows. He's, you know, he would be in his 50s now. So yeah. I think he'd be like Jay Z. I, I think he'd be, yeah, bigger than, bigger than the, the genre. Yeah, that that was going to be my take, mate. I think basically his death was inevitable based on the route he was on. And if it hadn't have happened the way it did, it would have happened a year later or two years later. I really do think he was on that destructive, like, fuck everyone path. And I think it would have taken a lot for him to deviate from that. And if it had, like, somehow happened, then, yeah, I could have seen a world where, again, like, it just goes into a safe space of acting and... You know, because he was putting out so much work, it was almost like he knew he was going to fucking die because he was mm. pumping out so much material that actually, once he'd got through that initial like, outpouring of just artistry, I think he might have taken a step back and gone, actually, do you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do a bit more acting. But we will never know, my friends. We will never know. Um, once again, if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review. Um, give us your five for five. So give us a five star review and then tell us your five favorite MCs of all time. I'd love to see a few more of those coming through so we can start reading them out on the pod. Um, if you want to send us your music for submission for our halftime hype playlist, uh, notoriouspod.com. Um, also, exciting news. We are we are doing some trial runs for merch. We've got some on order, haven't we, boys? And we're gonna we're gonna test them out, see what they're saying. Yeah. If they look if they look good, we'll get the store up on the website so you can start ordering your notorious POD merch. Uh, let us know if you've, if you've got any ideas for what you'd like. Um, do you want a tote bag? <laughs> do you want a mouse mat? What do you want? Let us know. Do you want a um, grinder? <laughs> yeah. What do, do you want? want? Let us know what you want. Yeah. Tell us. I would also like to see as well in the reviews. Mm. This this the person that Lester laughed left left the last review. Yes. <laughs> yes. Same thing about their mum. Like really go for it. Yeah, I'd like to see that, and I'd like to see going in on legends. So like, you know, like Cal does with Run DMC. I want people to pick. Like the most 
popular legend. It's like an unpopular opinion, do you think? A sacred yeah. cow. Yeah. Oh. But keep it hip hop and no racism. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Take it. <laughs> Take it as red. No racism. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, no, no isms of any kind, if you yeah. can help it. Just insults. Be really horrible. Cool. Just yeah. don't be racist, please. Yeah, don't be racist or sexist or homophobic. Just keep yeah. it within the boundaries. You know, the more childish, the better. Like, I oh, don't like so and so because he smells. Like, that's just funny. Just go, yeah, go down that route. I saw uh, this comment once on um, Hip Hop Connection, and it's dead of me till this day. Um, I heard that he announced his kids for Rubblegum. Do you remember <laughs> Rubblegum? So, Rubblegum is like, is it some, just like little pieces, just like little grains. And if you put a whole load in your mouth and chew them, they become chewing gum. It's called Rubblegum. So it's like an old kid's street back in the day. <laughs> so that's just stuck with me ever since. <laughs> so stuff like that. I do, I do love British. Because Hip Hop Connection was a British magazine, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. The, it was. the British kind of hip hop magazine. One of the things I remember from that was they used to take verses and then translate them into like posh English. Yeah, yeah. They used to do that, didn't they? I remember they did it with a Ghostface verse. And it was just like, what am I reading? Like, but you find yourself like reading it in a posh voice, but also in a rhythmic kind of way. Like you're trying to do it in your own head. But one of my favourite kind of English things like that was when somebody put on Twitter, Sarah Hardin bangs on police vans at nonce trials. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, amazing. Like, I lo- <laughs> so British and just so perfect. <laughs> she bangs on vans at nonce trials. <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't breathe. Thank you for listening to the Notorious POD, a hip hop podcast. This was a hip hop forum episode, so a special thank you to Cow and Team for their insight as always. Big up to man like Grindhouse, who's made all the theme music for the show. So please follow him on Twitter and show him some love at Music Grindhouse and on Spotify by searching for Grindhouse. That's G-R-I-N-D House. Please remember to leave us a review or as we call it, your five for five. So give us a five star review and in return, you can leave us your top five favorite MCs of all time. Remember, we'll be adding all the songs mentioned and featured in our episodes on a Spotify playlist. So if you search for the Notorious Podcast Joints, you will find it. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at NotoriousP underscore O underscore D. On Instagram, we're at the Notorious POD. And follow me on Insta and Twitter at the Real John Bass. That's J O N B A S S. See you next time. Peace. Peace.